When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? We are back. It is Wednesday night, a little earlier than usual. We went at 6 o'clock on Monday. We thought, let's not change a thing. Let's go at 6 o'clock again. Why not? He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. This is Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. We have a lot to cover tonight. Obviously, Damian Harris, we were talking about him last episode. We, we stopped the show, and minutes later, the reports start to percolate that the Bills had agreed to what's Come out since then, reports uh, one year, $1.7 million for the Bills' new physical running back, uh, Damian Harris. I, I really like the move. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into a couple things uh, that uh, over the course of the show, mainly being what comes next, Ryan? Because we, we, we're we now through the first wave of free agency. There's probably going to be a second and a third. I put a story up today at Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com that really showcases some some high profile names that are still out there. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, maybe doing better than some of these big names that are sitting on the market after a week or so there, Mr. <laughs> Perino. Uh, I think there's a lot of players that thought they were going to cash in in free agency and uh, it, it just didn't happen. And then obviously as this time goes on, these offers are probably going to stay relatively low until maybe post draft where a team maybe misses out on a target, uh, something like that. So it's pretty interesting right now as we sit here and we look at some of the names available. The other thing that we're going to get into on this show is the Ed Oliver saga, which <laughs> is, you know, it's taking on a life of its own. If you've, if you've been on social media today, Twitter, Instagram, you've probably seen things uh, escalating a little bit on the Ed Oliver front. I mean, we've been talking about a potential trade for him like for weeks, right? Um, it just makes sense. If, if you're not going to commit to signing him long term, you might as well try to get you know, draft capital before the draft back for him. Um, I know that they're probably counting on him. I mean, if you look at their defensive line, there's, you know, Daquan Jones is going to be a year older. Tim Settle, they restructure, but that's all they have. So, I mean, they're going to have to invest in that spot, especially if they're going to move on uh, from Oliver in a trade. We'll talk about all that. We'll get into that in a little while. But let's start with Harris because this was a move that, if you're talking about flavors in the running back room, he is a different flavor. It's one that they never had. They wanted it to be Zach Moss. It didn't materialize. They traded him to the Indianapolis Colts for um, Naheem Hines, who hopefully, if you're a Bills fan or, or a member of the Bills franchise, he he's able to kind of figure out his role in this offense, be what he was in the Indy offense all those years alongside you know what was always a crowded backfield. Now you have Harris. He is going to, you know, he had a smile on his face when he was, you were in the uh, press conference yesterday. Yes. I was out over at baseball practice. He had a smile on his face each time a reporter tried to ask him 
what his role was going to be in the offense. And, you know, the thing I took away from all of his different, you know, attempts to sidestep the question was there's a role that the Bills envision for him and a role that he envisions for himself. And he kind of just smiled and we'll see how it plays out. But we know they're going to want him to be the physical presence in this backfield. Yeah, and I'm glad you let it off like that, Matt, because I saw some people saying, well, you know, Devin Singletary this, Devin Singletary that, yard per carry. This is not about Devin Singletary versus Damian Harris. This is about a role that this Bills team has been trying to figure out for years. You go all the way back to Sean McDermott's first few years here and uh, Chris Ivory and go on then to Zach Moss. They've wanted that physical thumper of a back. And last year when they had Singletary, they didn't necessarily have that power presence they wanted to be Zach Moss like you mentioned uh, but after that trade where they sent Moss to Indy and they got Naheem Hines in return it, it was kind of a weird rotation they had three backs that could run the ball they had three backs that could catch the ball out of the backfield something that Singletary got better at Harris you know what you're gonna get he is not a back that catches the ball very often he's not someone that you're gonna have to really uh, use in that regard and that's great because you have James Cook you have Naheem Hines He's going to be that physical back to get the tough yardage. He's going to be that guy maybe on early downs where you want to run between the tackles. When you're near the goal line and you don't want Josh Allen taking those hits, you're going to give Damian Harris the ball. And uh, Harris has proven that he can kind of handle those responsibilities in the short yardage situations. He can plunge in from near the goal line. He had 15 touchdowns uh, two seasons ago. So he's a guy that can kind of uh, get into the end zone for you. And I really like the way this backfield is shaping up now between the traits that they currently have. Harris is your physical guy. James Cook is someone that showed so much promise as a rookie going over 500 yards on 89 carries. Uh, give give him a bigger role as a running back. But then you also have the fact that Cook and Hines are both really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, and I think the the allure of the Bills offense outside of like what, what Harris talked about yesterday, the organization being on the opposite end. I mean, since he's coming to the league, it's really been the Bills dominating that back and forth between the Patriots and the Bills. So he looks at the organization a little bit differently than maybe running backs of New England past. And so sure. he's he feels like he's joining a juggernaut right at this point. Three-time AFC East defending champions, you know, a, a team in its Super Bowl window. And what I think also is the allure of this team for him is that I don't think they're going to ask him to come in here and be the same version of a player that he was in New England. Like a lot of times, even with Stevenson coming on the last two years, I I, I often felt that they put a lot on Harris's plate and they asked him to be that physical presence throughout a 17-game schedule. And I think you can kind of pick your spots, your matchups with Harris, try to maybe keep him a little bit healthier and wait till the later parts of the season when the running game is so important. And maybe if you're Ken Dorsey, keep an ace in the hole, if you will. And you don't have to throw everything out. Let him kind of get accustomed to the offense early on, get some stuff uh, installed in practice, and then really let it go when the weather starts to turn and you need that physical presence. Yeah, you never knew what you were going to get when uh, when you're going with a, a Patriots backfield. There were some weeks where Harris would get 15, 20-some touches or weeks where uh, it was a lot different than that. That's the one thing about the Patriots backfield is they, they kind of change it up on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't think the Bills need to change it up in terms of Damian Harris's role early on. Limit the carries, keep them healthy, keep them fresh, because you just said it. Late in the season, December, January, when the weather gets really nasty, uh, you would like him to be close to 100%. Obviously, no one's truly 100% that late in the season, but as close to 100% as he can be 
to be that physical runner, to get those tough yards. The Bills have kind of been more of a finesse team the, the past few seasons. And it's understandable when you look at the weapons that they've had. Now you got a guy like Harris that can be that physical back that can get the tough yards for you early on in the season. But then as the year goes on later into the season, he can see his role get expanded a little bit. Uh, and I'm really excited to see how Ken Dorsey lets this kind of play out over the course of a full season. The other thing that I really like about the Harris versus Singletary situation is you're looking at Devin Singletary getting 3.75 million, probably a little bit under what I probably would have projected for him going into free agency before we saw just the lull at the position as things went along throughout free agency. You knew, you know, the market was just, you know, falling on a position that's already kind of seen a little bit of a collapse over the last couple of years. I mean, you got Austin Eckler going on his own podcast talking about just the devaluation of the position. I mean, a guy that went out and scored 16 touchdowns, 1600 all purpose yards, you know, as a guy that, you know, just can't get paid and a team that he's done it for that just isn't willing to give him that big time extension. So it's a position that, listen, you're not getting paid a lot, but I think Singletary, all things considered right under $4 million in a, in a, in a year for the bills where every million matters. I mean, you saw a move with Isaiah McKenzie uh, late last week. You know, of course, there was some duplicate. We talked about it, like skill sets in the receiver room, but that was a money move. They needed some room. And I think there's a big difference between paying Singletary $3.75 million and then getting Harris and the renegotiation for Naheem Hines for about ballpark the same amount. So you're getting Hines and Harris, two players, two different skill sets, and you're, you're kind of moving them in for Singletary, I, I like that math and the way that it works out and the options that it gives Dorsey, like we mentioned earlier. Yeah, and even without putting Hines in the equation, you're saving over $2 million just with the uh, getting Harrison, getting Singletary out, or having Singletary sign elsewhere. And, and you said it, the way the cap spaces work this year, the Bills don't have those extra few million to spend on these positions, especially the running back position, where you said it's been devalued across the league. Uh, so the Bills have to be smart with their money, smart with their cap space. Uh, and this is one of those examples where it really worked out in their favor. We're going to get into what should be next for the Bills. Obviously, uh, we got the owners meetings uh, early next week. Uh, so we'll have some coverage from there. Maybe some stadium stuff uh, might come up uh, if we're able to talk to uh, certain movers and shakers in the Bills organization. Uh, so we'll have a little bit of that. Uh, and then we'll, it'll be full blast, full you know, speed ahead on the draft. And we'll, and we'll reset the table when it comes to draft needs, probably next week, maybe the week after, but uh, definitely start to look towards that after this. So at Oliver, Ryan, why don't you set this up? He posted a couple of videos on his Instagram account. Yeah. So today at Oliver, you know, going through some emotions, it, it seems like, and he, he put up some videos of him uh, sacking quarterbacks. Although the one against Rogers wasn't really a sack. So I don't know where that, where that picture came from, but, uh, there was a song in the background saying, you know, the lyrics were along the lines of you're falling out of love with me, things like that. And at first it was a sack against the Green Bay Packers, a sack against the Detroit Lions, Jared Goff. And then probably 30 minutes later, he uploaded a video uh, where he was sacking Kirk Cousins in that game from last season. So it's like three teams from the same division. Um, and things kind of took off on social media from there. I saw Adam Rank of the NFL Network putting Ed Oliver to the Bears. Let's make it happen. Because they were thinking, okay, those are the other three teams in the division. I don't know, maybe Ed Oliver was having trouble finding his highlights or what. But about an hour later, he did upload the sack that he had on Justin Fields as well. Um, but he, he also had an interesting caption in there, Matt. Um, something along the lines of enjoyed myself, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. And 
that led to a lot of speculation in terms of, well, what does that mean? Is, is that his way of saying goodbye? Because you mentioned it. We've been talking now for quite a few weeks about the potential of trading at Oliver, uh, the fact that it would get $10 million off the books that the Bills currently have tied into him. Uh, so, you know, we don't know what it is it, when it comes to cryptic messages on Instagram. The Bills are the leader of the pack. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of where we're at right now. What did you take out of all of it? It's hard. I mean, Ed Oliver is a very mercurial guy. I mean, he's, you know, you'll get him in one press conference. He'll be jovial. He'll be fun loving. He'll joke around. Then you'll talk to him in in the locker room one day and he'll have one word, five or six sentence responses to questions. He's, he's very, you know, hot and cold up and down. Um, And I think that's a good way to categorize his career to this point through four seasons. I, I think he is a really, really good player, dependable, reliable player, but you don't pay like, you know, even approaching market value for that kind of skill set. And so now the bills are in a really tough spot. And right now, Brandon Bean is saying, you know, all the right things, right? Like we still believe in that Oliver, Gabe Davis, like extensions, you know, you're hoping to extend them. But the fact, the fact of the matter is this Dawson Knox, you know, he was drafted in the same draft. Am I right? Am I correct there? 2019 yeah. with that Oliver, yep. with that Oliver, he's been extended for almost a season. Off full season, you know what I mean? And so it's like you look at the decisions they make, and obviously the money is a little bit different. It's not, you know, apples and apples. It's a little bit apples to oranges there. But it's a situation where if I'm Ed Oliver and I'm eyeing that next contract, and then maybe you start to talk to some people or you start to peek at the internet, which is a really bad idea for any professional <laughs> athlete. Uh, I, it's funny, though, but I feel like a lot of professional athletes are getting more involved in it, like the podcast game and the the social media conversation. And it's just it's a recipe for disaster. And you wonder sometimes when you see a player put out these kinds of videos. Oh, OK. Are you like seeing all the trade chatter? And then is this your reaction to it? Or are you just sitting there after a fun horse ride out in Texas saying, man, I, got, I had some good highlights this season. Yeah, that, that's just the thing. We don't know. We don't know what the purpose of this was. And, you know, Ed Oliver, is he worth $10 million? No, not based on his overall career, how he's played for this team. Uh, but the Bills also have to have a plan in place in terms of if they're serious about trading him. Uh, that leaves a big hole at defensive tackle for this team. So do they sign someone in free agency? Does that mean it bumps up to a priority in the draft? Or do they keep him along here and hope that he blossoms into more of a regular uh, a play that you can count on regularly because when he has those spurts of great play, man, he, he can be dominant. And I know he takes on double teams at times. I know that there's more to the eye than the stats themselves, but he also just disappears for big spans of time. You look at that Bengals playoff game last year. You look at some of these other matchups where you don't even, you don't even notice him on the field. And that's not what you want out of former first round pick that you took ninth overall. So the Bills are in a tough spot with him. And again, I, I've said this before. I'm sure if Brandon Bean could look ahead from when he you know, agreed to that fifth-year uh, option, he probably would like to have that back after seeing what his stats looked like this past season. But that's not how this works. Uh, they locked him in, so they either have to keep him at that number or they have to move him. And you know, never say never. There seems to be a lot of players that are just kind of on the block, the trade block, so to speak. And maybe all it takes is one team to say, well, we kind of like that, Oliver. Maybe we can get him in the house for a season, uh, see what he can do, and maybe extend him there. So it'll be very interesting. So last thing on Oliver before we move into the, you know, what's next uh, for the Bills here in free agency. First of all, Ed Oliver's trending on Twitter right now. So you can see a lot of conversation happening on the platform. But also, 
there's been a couple of trade ideas, right? Like thrown out there over just the course of today. And the one that's getting a lot of traction on social media is from, I believe, a Chicago media personality uh, who shared a trade that would be <laughs> Oliver for, and you, I think you quote tweeted it, um, and a pick swap, basically going from sending Oliver in 27 to the Bears to move up to nine. And I don't know. That's wild. I don't know. I don't know if the if the Bears need uh, interior defensive line that much, uh, unless they really believe in the player and they're they're going to extend Ed Oliver. And you know, you're almost dying like you're going to have two first round picks this year um, if they consider him that way. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, would be in play. But let's let's take into account that hypothetical trade, and then let's also throw into the mix maybe a player for player, maybe some day three compensation to make it work out. DeAndre Hopkins today. Daniel mm-hmm. Jeremiah made some rumblings on social media yes. with his uh, proclamation that the team that should go after DeAndre Hopkins, make the money work. Don't even worry about the money. Just just go get DeAndre Hopkins. So what would entice you more if you're Brandon Bean, Ryan, and you're willing to trade Ed Oliver? Is it going out and getting a proven commodity like DeAndre Hopkins, or is it moving up in the draft almost 20 spots to maybe have a chance at an impact player in the draft? Well, wow. L- looking at uh, some of the Bills' recent draft classes, I don't know if I would lean the draft way or not. And listen, I don't want to be too hard on this team. They've been drafting in the late, the mid to late 20s. It's a big difference than when you're drafting in the top 10. There's some talented players for sure. In that scenario, I'd go the Hopkins route. And, and real quick, um, the one scenario from the Bears writer or whoever it was, he also had the Bills sending a fourth back. So it was like Ed Oliver, a fourth, and their first-round pick to move up to number nine. And I said, you know, um, one, getting that 10 million off the, the books, getting another rookie contract. And I said, uh, Brandon Bean would sign off on that deal. I said he would race to sign off like the ultimate warrior. I shared a, a <laughs> gif of him racing down the, uh, the tunnel to the ring, so to speak. So yeah, that would be, that'd be great in an ideal world because of the cap space situation. But in terms of where this bills team is, if you can get a proven commodity, like Deandre Hopkins, a veteran, Probably just a lot like Stefan Diggs sitting there saying, man, you know, I could still win a Super Bowl in these next few years, depending on where I go. But my window in terms of being an elite player, it's starting to close a little bit. I want to go somewhere where I can get it now. Buffalo is the perfect situation. And uh, I, I saw this on social media today, Matt. I said they, they were talking about the Rams and they said the Rams right now are in a total teardown mode. They're, they're breaking this thing down to the basics. They were talking about maybe moving Stafford at one point. They've already moved off of Ramsey. If the Bills get one Super Bowl title, no fan is going to sit here and complain about a a Bills having to maybe tear it down in a year or two in terms of the cap space situation. And and as long as you have Josh Allen, you're still in the mix. You're you're just kind of rebuilding or moving around some pieces around. So for that reason, I'm all in on on the Hopkins idea. Have the Cardinals eat about $6 million of that contract. I believe he's set for about $16 Maybe I'm off on that. 16 million this year, you swap right. at Oliver in there. And then it's kind of like a, a deal where they, they offset at least money wise. So the new team would acquire in a trade. I looked this up, spot track, put it out uh, in January, two years, $34.3 million. Mm-hmm. And that's non-guaranteed money. Like there's, there's outs in that. And the 2023 cap hit would of course be 19.45 million. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine the Cardinals would take some of that on. Uh, depending to, to to make it work, or the bills would maybe have to do a couple of restructures if that's the the, the route that you want to go. And then twenty twenty four, it's not too bad. Fourteen point nine, it comes down quite a bit. 
I don't think the financials for me would be what gets Brandon Bean to not go after DeAndre Hopkins. To me, it's Stefan Diggs. And if he's listening, if he's having honest, open conversations with Stefan Diggs, I think the last thing that Diggs wants is another wide receiver one entered into the, into the mix. Now, maybe Hopkins has a relationship with Diggs. Maybe Hopkins ready is ready to evolve into a wide receiver two, where he doesn't want to have the workload be completely on his shoulders every week. But I went back and looked last, last season, Ryan, DeAndre Hopkins was, was good. He had 64 catches, 717 yards, three touchdowns, most of, most of that, or at least a good chunk of that without Kyler Murray. Um, he had 96 targets in nine games, yeah. 96. He has had more targets than Stefan Diggs had last year, which was 152 last season. He's had more targets in a season than that. One, two, three, four different times. And he's come close another three times. So this is a guy that's always dominated the target share wherever he's been. And I feel like Hopkins and Diggs are alike in that way and that they never really play with another like, needs the ball receiver at any point in their career. Although Diggs, I guess you'd argue is Adam Thielen, right? That's why he wanted out of town. But I just, I never viewed Thielen, even when they were together, when Diggs arrived on the scene, I almost viewed Diggs differently than the Vikings did. And maybe that's why Diggs ended up getting out of town. My point being, I don't know how much the marriage works there, especially with all the other things that the bills have done. They, they, they're bringing around a Khalil Shakir and obviously Shakir, Shearfield and Hardy, those guys and what their their plan for them is not going to stop you from going and getting Hopkins. I just I wonder if there's a better, more cost effective route to fixing this offense and aligning with what Stefan Diggs has been saying for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and there might be. I guess my only argument in terms of the Diggs talk would be there there's probably frustration in certain settings where the Bills haven't had a a number two that has stepped up on a regular basis. Gabe Davis has had moments of greatness. But he's also, again, kind of like Ed Oliver, disappeared at times. If you have DeAndre Hopkins, you know that this is a guy that doesn't disappear. This is a guy that is a legitimate weapon. And I would think that that would make life easier on Stefan Diggs. And uh, in terms of the double teams, in terms of the looks that he's getting, teams would have to account for both of them. And it's kind of pick your poison. And Diggs would have to sit there. And this would be the one thing. You'd have to sit there and say, okay, there are some weeks that he is going to eat. There are some weeks where I'm going to eat in terms of the matchups, the way that they get played. And there's weeks where we're both going to have really good games. Um, the Bills have had some matches where they've come pretty close to having multiple receivers over 100 yards. It's not out of the realm of possibility that both of them could do that on a semi-regular basis. So if they're both about winning at this point in their careers, which I would like to think that they are, that, you know, Stefan Diggs did a lot of talking this offseason about racking his brain, can't figure it out. Well, you can find an answer to that solution a lot easier in terms of getting to that promised land if you have two number one receivers, which that's what Hopkins would do for this team. Uh, our good friend Chris Trapasso put out a, a trade uh, package idea. Bills get DeAndre Hopkins, linebacker Isaiah Simmons, and the Cardinals get Ed Oliver, Gabriel Davis, and in round five pick. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's interesting, but I also think that internally the Bills might think a little bit differently than the fan base or even some media members on Gabe Davis. What are your thoughts on that deal? I mean, it's a pretty fair deal in terms of how it worked out. You'd get uh, younger uh, in terms of the Cardinals, although Simmons is this young player, still a pass rusher option for this Bills team, someone that could be a difference maker. Um, 
but I, I do think that they are higher on Gabe Davis than most. I don't think he's lying where he sat there and he says they believe in Gabe Davis. They think that the ankle injury hampered him throughout the, the course of the season. Now, I think they do really like Gabe Davis, and I think that they're they're believing that Gabe Davis is going to step up this season. But there's something to be said in terms of just kind of banking on what you already have. If it hasn't happened on a regular basis yet, and yes, he dealt with that ankle injury. It was a legitimate injury. High ankle sprains, ankle sprains in general, are nothing to to kind of scoff at when you're a wide receiver. But I wouldn't go into this year as one of, you know, Again, a big Super Bowl window with this team as long as they have Josh Allen. But the way this roster is constructed now, the way the cap space is, this is one of those big windows for the Bills this year, maybe next year. And then they kind of kind of have to figure out what are we going to do at safety, breaking it down with Poyer and Hyde, both getting older, this, that, and the other. This is a huge year for them. Um, so you don't want to bank on Gabe Davis. You don't want to bank on Ed Oliver to take that next step. You want to have proven guys, if possible. So if there's a trade that comes along and yeah, you have to move away from some of these draft picks that you've made, but it makes your roster better in this window. I think that the bills would be foolish not to consider it or even pull the trigger on a deal like that. Here's one more thing on Oliver before we move on. If I'm Brandon Bean, one thing I'm also wondering is if he isn't just sitting there on this fifth year option and doing the Grinch what is that little moment from the movie when he starts to, you know, smile when he sees, I don't know what was happening. I just, you, you see the meme all the time. I've watched that movie right. a million times. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, but I feel like he's probably doing that meme right now with the thought and the idea that, okay, Tremaine Edmonds goes out last season on his fifth year option and he crushes it. And he goes out and earns $18 million a year based on what he did last year. If you have that kind of jump, from Ed Oliver from last season to this season, you're looking at maybe if Von Miller gets back to what you hope him to be. And then whatever they do in the draft and the rest of free agency, we're gonna talk about that in a second. You're talking about a completely different defensive line. And Oh, by the way, you have Daquan Jones coming back who at times was your best defensive lineman last year. So I think there's an element where you sit, you, you go into this year, you let it ride. You're still right in the middle of a Super Bowl window. And you just say, Ed Oliver, go ball out, go earn that contract and might be with us, might not, but that's where we're at. Yeah. In in terms of a motivator for Ed Oliver, yes, you, you hang that over his head. You say, look at what Tremaine Edmonds did. You can do that too. You can get this big money deal. And there's something to be said about players stepping up in those contract years. It's not like they're being lazy the first four years of their, their deal, but there's something where you you hang that, hey, you can get a big payday. It just kind of takes helps them take that game, uh, their game to the next level. So Maybe that does work out. And if Ed Oliver balls out this year, good for him for 2024 and beyond, but good for the Bills this season. So, yeah, th- there's something to that. Uh, I would like to think that the Bills are going to have a real honest conversation with Eric Washington, the D-line coach. How does he fit this scheme? What have you seen from him? Do you expect him to make a jump like that? Uh, because from what we've seen from him, he has the moments, Matt, but he needs to make the moments more consistent. It's the same thing that we said about uh, Jermaine Edmonds about one year ago. So there again, that goes to your point. So maybe this is the year that it all comes together. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. What's up, everybody? Matt Perino here, one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about prize picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less 
on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, a little announcement time. I think we already put this out there, but, you know, uh, save the date. That's what you have to do right now. Put it in your calendar. Write a little note to yourself. April 15th inside Froth Brewery, the home of Wingnuts, uh, North Buffalo. We are going to do our next live show. Uh, if you haven't come out yet, I think we've done three or four at this point, Ryan, and we're going to do another one. It is going to be a big one. It's going to be a draft special. Uh, who knows? You never know who could pop in uh, to help us uh, preview the the draft and, and what we think the Bills are going to do. Uh, we'll talk all things Bills. We'll be probably on the way other side of free agency, have a much better idea of what this roster looks like and really give a uh, an honest, good look at the that mock draft process as we look at uh, the draft. That's going to be fun. I can't wait to be out there again, Ryan. I can't wait either. Bill's Mafia, if you haven't checked it out yet, you know, Damon Harris today was like, where's the wing joint? I need to go check out. I threw wing nuts out there. I threw a, a picture of those wings. Come get the real wings. Come get the wing necklaces that you can buy there. You can't go wrong. Wing nuts, uh, they are legit. The best wings in Buffalo, right up there with the elite of the elite. So come on out next show, our draft show, uh, get some wings, get some brews and talk some bills with us. I can't wait. April 15th, put it in your schedule. Uh, five o'clock, we'll be out there. The show will go live probably sometime around seven or seven thirty. Uh, we'll have a great time. We'll drink beer, we'll eat wings and we'll talk bills. All right, let's get into, all right, the next wave, the second wave. Mm. And you start to look out there at what's available, Ryan. And, you know, we're not going to talk much about him because I just think that the bills have maybe done enough work on the offensive line, bringing back David Questenberry, which to be honest with you is kind of an eye roll to a degree. I mean, we both talked about him and his kind of inability, but maybe another year in the system. He's a guy that's had some success in the league. He could be some, some solid depth for you. What were your thoughts on, on, on them bringing back Questenberry? Yeah, it, it seems like, and it feels like the bills just have this, if we like you enough, we're going to throw you a one-year offer around one and a, one and a half, one point seven million, and they must like him enough as depth to kind of pr- probably put him in that same ballpark where we, we know what you can do. You know, the one thing that sticks in my mind about Questenberry last year is him gutting it out and playing uh, through the course of a game with a pretty legit injury where he really couldn't move that well, and it showed based on the way he was blocking at times. Don't get me wrong. But he really gutted things out for this team. I'm sure he earned a lot of respect in that locker room. You mentioned the fact that he's had success in this league. Uh, I'm sure Aaron Cromer kind of gave his stamp of approval in terms of bringing him back. uh, Because the Bills aren't going to bring every lineman back that they had last year. So, you know, depth, yes. Um, Is this someone that really moves, moves me in terms of legitimate competition at right tackle? Absolutely not. I want to see the, the Bills bring someone in that can maybe push Spencer Brown a little bit, whether it's draft or free agency. But again, solid depth. The Bills do this every year. They sign a lot of linemen to, to kind of 
uh, come in and compete. I think he can be someone that wins one of those last few offensive lineman jobs. The person I, I was really trying to bring up there to start this thing is Dalton Reisner, who, you know, we talked about as like maybe a wish list candidate and he's still floating out there as a guy that, you know, was maybe had himself etched in that top tier and teams around the league, maybe viewing him lower, you know, maybe even a couple tiers down. And that could really complicate things. If you're looking at a guy that's trying to get in that Ben powers range of 12 million AAV and teams are coming back to him like, yeah, we like you at about seven and a half. Well, it's funny, like if the bills really loved him in the draft process, right. And you watch what he did in Denver over the first couple of years, you, you broke down the film and you're like, we, we like some of it. We like, we, we like all of it, whatever, wherever you're at on the player, if the money makes sense, that might be worth a roll of the dice, but it might also be one where you don't have to commit long-term and you can maybe put together something that's more of a one year. All right. Come into a better offense than you were with, with Denver. We'll re kind of shuffle the deck here. The bills brought in David um, Andrews uh, from, or Edwards, David Edwards. Edwards. Uh, from the Los Angeles uh, Rams. He's played there the last four years, dealt with concussions last year, was with Cromer early on in his career in LA. And they brought him in for a workout, which tells you they're still looking at interior offensive line. And I feel like talking about the second and third wave, this goes on long enough. And then all of a sudden, I think it's a conversation with Reisner because everybody thought when they signed McGovern that maybe you slot him in at right guard uh, because he's been, you know, he's played there before and maybe you want to move Bates back to left guard. And then maybe you throw Bates into the mix and say, all right, complete. If you sign Reisner, compete with uh, in both jobs and maybe even center too. put, put a little heat on, on Mitch Morris. Why not? Yeah. You know, Reisner in terms of the name, in terms of the steady play he's shown over the early course of his career, I'd be all for a move like that. Um, it is interesting. The fact that he's sitting out there, but then again, there's, there's, players in almost every position that you thought would be signed by now that are sitting out there because what they and their agents feel their value is, is not matching up with teams. So the longer Reisner sits out there, the, the more likely it is that maybe he would consider joining a contender like the bills real quick on Edwards, you know, the concussion issues, they're legitimate. There's something to be concerned about, but man, when he was healthy, those first few years in the league, he played some pretty good football and he played very good football uh, under Aaron Cromer. So if the Bills check him out and they feel like he's good to go, uh, I think that he could be a really good value signing for this team too and, and could be someone that would sneak up on you but could legitimately start for this team and, and maybe be an improvement over the guard play that they've seen the past few seasons. So that was an, uh, an interesting workout to come across. It, again, it, it's a Cromer guy and a guy that went healthy has played at a high level. The Edwards one is interesting too because I almost feel like he probably comes to town and talks to the entire coaching staff about what's worked for Mitch Morse. I mean, I went back and looked today, Ryan, he, Mitch Morse came to Buffalo with concussion concerns. I think he had yeah. three or four um, documented at that point in his career. He's had a couple since he started 60 games in four years for the bills in the regular season. And he's navigated a couple of those situations. So now you're, you're looking at this. If you're Edwards as a free agent, like, yeah, sure. Maybe I could get a little bit more money elsewhere, or I could take a one year prove it deal after only playing four games, come in, talk to Mitch Morris, learn a little bit about the process that he's gone through to be so available. You're right. That could be like a, you know, just an absolute win for all parties. Yeah. Talk to Mitch Morris, but also sit there and say, one-year deal play under a coach that I've succeeded with. And that's a huge win for him because he's going to be looking to cash in one year from now. And he's already in a system where he knows the terminology already knows uh, exactly what Chrome is going to want out of him can talk to Mitch Morris about the concussions and uh, ways that he's maybe like protected himself, what the bills have done for him, helped him through the process 
whatever the case may be. It, it does seem like a logical fit and match in terms of the personnel, the players, the coaches. Uh, so we'll have to kind of keep an eye on Edwards to see if maybe this is a signing that happens sooner rather than later. The Bills have signed five new players, Ryan. They're all on offense. A couple receivers, uh, an offensive lineman, a running back, and a backup quarterback. They've signed no new players on defense. Now, part of the reason is 10 of 11 starters are returning for the Bills. Now, I took a look at uh, the middle linebackers, the linebacker market in general, and we talked about it last episode. It is picked through. I mean, Bobby Wagner, and then it falls off a cliff, and I don't even know if that's the same guy that everybody remembers, right? Like, I mean, he played pretty well last year, but, you know, there's some articles that I read, you know, NFL, you know, executives that think that he's lost a step, and I don't know if you're necessarily willing to fork over what it's going to cost to get him to have him come in here, learn the system, and then just not be the version of the player that you know, you're know you used to seeing out of him. So I didn't include him in my story. I included AJ Klein because I feel like from what we heard from Brandon Bean last week, it's a situation where they're happy with what they have on the roster in terms yeah. of you know throwing a couple darts, seeing if any of them work out, win that job, run it uh, with them, rely on the back end and up front with your defensive line. I know Bills fans want a, an answer there. I don't think anybody's comfortable necessarily going into the season with Dotson and Terrell Bernard as your only options. But Klein is, every time he's filled in for Tremaine Edmonds over the last couple of years, it's been fine. I, I There's obviously drop-off. He doesn't bring the same intangibles. But he's somebody that you can bring in that one-year stopgap if you can't find anybody in the draft. Because I think this is the year you have to no matter what. And I know Brandon Bean's never going to draft for need, quote-unquote, right? But I think this draft has to be a little bit more about what you need versus best player available. You want good football players. I get it. But you also want to get really good offensive players, whether it be offensive linemen, wide receivers, tight ends, whatever you want to kind of look at this draft to be, wherever you feel like the value is, and go out there and get people that can come in and reshape your team in a lot of ways. Yeah, and Klein makes a lot of sense, too, in terms of the contracts that the Bills have been doling out. You're more likely to get him at that one-year, under $2 million type of cap hit than you would Bobby Wagner, who represents himself and I'm sure is sitting there uh, waiting for someone to come along and give him something close to what he's looking for, maybe waiting till after the draft. And you can even question in terms of how good of a fit he would be in this defensive scheme. I think that Wagner's talented enough to come in here and be a contributor for them. He, he, he has that name value that would excite the fan base, but that's not what Brandon Bean is in that position for. He's not trying to excite the fan base. He's trying to find players that can come in, step in regularly. And I, I agree with Klein in terms of early on in his tenure, I think that the Bills struggled in terms of figuring out how to use him. But once they figured out the role and, and his strengths and how to utilize him in this defense, he's fared pretty well for this team. Yes, you're going to lose a lot in terms of coverage if he's playing meaningful reps. Uh, but he has a role that he can have on this team. I don't think Brandon Bean would do this, man, but I, I guess it's worth a, a point of conversation. Do you almost feel like he wants to get Bernard out there so that way that the talk about why did you take this guy in the third round uh, almost disappears to a certain extent because, hey, you know, he's starting in this defense. The Bills, are, they should be able to win games based on the talent they have on offense, the players they have around Bernard on defense. I almost feel like it would be a talking point that would go away too, because all of last year, why was this guy taken in the third round when you have Milano and Edmonds? Why was this guy taken? He doesn't seem like the prototypical player that could step in for Edmonds if Edmonds leaves. Well, if he ends up winning that job in training camp and preseason, and he does a, a somewhat decent job of it, all of a sudden that chatter goes away and, and the, the bills are looking pretty smart for that signing in the draft. 
Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I liked what you just said there about, you know, just trying to get people to stop talking about that maybe being a miss and, and showing that he can play. And I think it's like a lot of things. It's like any other position that we've talked about in the past. They, you know, they, they draft players and then, you know, it's almost like this waiting game to figure out if they can play or not. Like I'm not willing as much as that one game last year that Bernard actually got in and played defense. It wasn't good. It was one game. The guy, right. the guy got thrown out. He wasn't playing at all. It was weeks, months, even since he was playing every day in practice he went into a special teams only role. And so I think that was kind of thrown into the fire. He didn't get any chance to, to build any continuity or momentum. So I don't think it's worth even evaluating that one game sample size on Bernard. I think he's going to be much different, but I also think there could be a little bit of a song and dance with Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott on this It's like, all right, Bernard was your guy. Like you, you, you stuck your neck out for him. You had conversations with, you know, the, uh, the Baylor head coach, he raved about him and, and, and you wanted to get him in the defense. So, all right, here we are. Tremaine Edmonds is gone. Find a role for Bernard. Get him to play because, you know, there were some valuable pieces that went in that draft. I just brought up the draft after he was selected. And the, the next pick was offensive lineman Dylan Parham in the third round, late in the third mm-hmm. round. We talked a lot about him. And that could be somebody that, you know, you figured him in the mix right now. He'd probably be in contention to start next year. And maybe they don't have to go out and spend on Connor McGovern because they drafted Parham and they're, he's going to slot in at one of the guard spots. My big thing on Bernard is this, man. And it goes along with any rookie. When you're a rookie and you're coming into this league, you're doing your pro days, you're doing pre-draft visits, private workouts, you name it. You don't really have an off-season to get ready uh, for your next year because you're go- you're graduating from college and moving into the NFL, so to speak. That year one to year two jump is legitimate. I don't care if it's someone that's only done special teams snaps uh, and then he re- moves into more of a semi-regular role. I'm expecting a significant jump from Bernard in terms of what we saw in term- into what we're going to get from him because he knows the playbook now. He knows the ins and outs of it. He has a full offseason to train get stronger every player meets with the coaching staff at the end of the year. And I'm sure when they sat down with Bernard, they said, here's what you need to do. Point a, B, C, D and E go and do it. Earn yourself a role on this team next year on a a regular basis on this defense. And he's going to have the time to do that, the training to do that. And the comfort level. Again, you know, the ins and outs, you know, the terminology, you know, you have Matt Milano next to you, a guy that knows every single thing about this defense. Oh, by the way, you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer behind you. That helps too. And if you can bulk up this defensive line, man, that helps Bernard out a lot. This team loved Bernard. They have a they had a private workout with him last year. They were amazed at, at his knowledge of the defense in terms of what they threw at him and his ability to kind of digest it. Now he's going to have to go out there and show it on the field. I am expecting a big leap from him for what it's worth. Um, so that's the linebacker spot. Let's get into uh, the defensive line because, yeah. you know, obviously it looks like a lot of uh, the, the the movers and shakers from last year, they're all coming back. I mean, it's it looks exactly the same, minus Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips right now. And I wrote in my story two of them, two players that I had on the de- at the defensive tackle spot. Phillips, of course, but the big question with him and why he was so far down on the list is the availability. When he's been healthy and all good, in the Bills defense, he has been a terror. I mean, on a on a one-year vet minimum deal, if it comes down to that in the second or third wave, I think you live with that and you run it back and you and you like the upside that he gives you. Guys like Brandon Bryant, Ilianku, they can do a lot of the things in a pinch hitter role 
uh, that you've seen them do over the last couple of years. The Bills have found those kinds of play, uh, players. But you uh, reported on a player, Puna Ford, out of Seattle, who it's an interesting um, study because he's somebody that came up. He was really good early on, earned himself a larger role. Um, 2021 was his kind of breakout season. Then he kind of took a step back this past year in terms of his pressure rate, um, his win percentage, uh, his PFF grade, all those things kind of dropped after his season in 2021, which is a good thing for teams looking for a bargain in free agency. You might be able to score him at a little bit of a, a better, a better deal, a better value. Yeah, there was talk about his his fit in the defense and the fact that he wasn't a great fit last year in terms of what he had done in the past to then and, and now in terms of what they're looking for. Puna Ford is someone that, yeah, the Bills have interest in. He's interested in joining the, the Bills for what it's worth, from what I understand. But it comes down to dollars and cents. And, you know, you mentioned the article that his uh, the figure on Trek was something around eight, nine million, I believe. Now, he's not going to get that at this point in free agency. There's no doubt about that. But if the Bills are only going around and they're only throwing around 1.72 million here and there, um, yeah, they, they have to go a little bit higher, I would think, to get a, a guy like Puna Ford, who in terms of height's a little undersized. He's over 300 pounds, though. Uh, really good interior pass rush uh, in terms of what we've seen from him in his career. I think he would be a good fit for this defense. But it's going to be him sitting on the market longer, or it's going to be the Bills having to raise the amount that they are they're maybe offering him to kind of get them to kind of uh, – Cross the finish line, so to speak, where going back to your point real quick on Jordan Phillips, I think Jordan Phillips could be had for more of that rate in terms of what the bills are giving out. He's coming off of a season where the availability was an issue when he was healthy early on in the season. He was a difference maker, but it wasn't he wasn't healthy very long, Matt. Uh, I think it was against the Titans where he had the hamstring injury. Maybe it was even before that. But after that point, it wasn't the same at any point in the season. And and that's kind of uh, worrisome. Uh, Micah Hyde on Good Morning Football a couple weeks ago was going through the top plays of the season, and he and he had the uh, I think it was a Matt Milano pick six, and or somebody had a pick six against the Titans, and it was the play that if you watch Jordan Phillips kind of running behind him, and it looks like he got sniped. <laughs> Micah Hyde was joking about it. They said they had a little fun with it in the film room because all of a sudden it looks like you're playing one of those shooter video games and a sniper rifle out there. It just like all of a sudden it pops and he just drops to the floor he to the turf. He never was the same um, again the rest of the season. And obviously the shoulder issue came into play later in the year. But no, I think Ford, if the money is right, you throw him into that DT3 role and he becomes like, a real just asset for your defensive line because you don't have to rely on him for a huge role. You're not signing him to be a starter necessarily, unless you're moving on from Ed Oliver and that's a separate conversation. And so I I really like it. Now let's move to real quick, the edge rusher position, because Mm. right now, if we're looking at this thing, I I think the bills feel probably pretty good, as good as you can feel at that spot. I think Greg Rousseau is an ascending player still. I think he had a, a really good second season. And, you know, you go back and look at some of the numbers, watch some of the games before the high ankle sprain. And I thought he was a difference maker. I mean, his pass rush win rate was higher than Von Miller's this season. And, you know, that's impressive. That's impressive stuff for that to hold up, even after the injury for him to come back and to continue to play at a high level. I think that there are arguments to be made for positive hopefulness for both Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa, you're hoping Von Miller comes back and is close to the version that you saw last year. So you got your four, right? 
Well, I'm advocating in my number two spot in this article to go out and sign, spend a little money and sign Frank Clark. I really like this move for a couple of reasons. Number one, to me, it feels like that Melvin Ingram move a couple of years ago that the Kansas City Chiefs made. They had Chris Jones. They had some players on the edge still. They had just moved on from... Or they, they had get, moved on from who was that player that ended up going to the San Francisco? They traded him to the 49ers. Um, oh, D. Um, so, D no. Yeah, you're right. D. D Ford. D. Ford. Yep. Uh, he kind of underwhelmed uh, with the 49ers. I think he was banged up a little bit. But they go out and they trade for Frank Clark, pay him a big deal. So now they have Clark, they have Chris Jones, and they were able to kind of fill in with a lot of younger guys. Now you have two legit guys on your defensive line. And I think that allows everybody else around them to thrive. And so, I think you could go out and sign Frank Clark and it's going to come down to dollars and cents. How much does he want? His market value, I think somewhere around 12 million. He's not getting that at this point no. in free agency. I think you can get him on a one-year deal. And depending on if the spot that he's going to is good enough, maybe you can, there's some wiggle room. And now he comes in, you can line him up opposite Von Miller. And now you have a guy that you could situationally pass rush with. He's a high-end player. It's what I wanted them to go back and maybe even entertain a trade for Jerry Hughes because I think he could be really good in that situational role. And now the pressure comes off a little bit more on Boogie and A.J. Epinesa. But let me ask you this, Ryan. Do you want, at the same time, do you want the pressure off of those players? Or do you want to go into this season and say, one of you needs to really step up and become almost maybe that starter early on in the season so we can bring Bob Miller back a little bit slowly? Well, it goes back to what you said. The Bills can hope that Boogie Basham and A.J. Epinesa are going to step up this year, uh, send into players that they thought they were going to get when they drafted them, respect, you know, both in the second round. But hope doesn't get you Super Bowl titles. Hope doesn't get you quarterback sacks, pressures, anything else. Uh, I don't think you sit there and you, you want to put that extra pressure on them because I don't know if you've seen enough of steady play from either where you're going to be able to count on them. And this is too important of a year. So in my opinion, going out and getting a Frank Clark, a Yannick and who also was on your list at number four, uh, a guy that I like quite a bit too. I am a hundred percent on board with that because one, it, it's going to help uh, these players take the next step in terms of uh, letting those guys come on as like pinch hitters, the, the Bashams on the Epinesas. It's going to help a Greg Rousseau in terms of taking pressure off of him on the opposite side. And it's going to help Von Miller in terms of, listen, Von, we want you back for the, the playoffs. We want you back for the, the, the stretch of the regular season. We don't want to rush this. Mm-hmm. We don't want you feeling that you need to rush coming back from this. We're in good hands with guys like Frank Clark, and we're in good hands with Greg Rousseau, who doubled the sacks from year one to year two in the regular season. If we can get you back week 16, week 17, um, we can get you back for the playoff push and have a, a top three rotation of guys like that. And then, oh, yeah, we, we can kind of mix in a Boogie Basham or an AJ Apinesa as our DN4 come playoff time. Uh, I think that that is a scenario where you're feeling really good about yourselves because uh, as much as the offense wins you Super Bowls, getting after the quarterback is, is going to help you quite a bit come playoff time and, and then then in the Super Bowl as well. Clark's been a beast in the playoffs. There's just yeah. no, there's no way around it. I mean, every year you watch them in the playoffs and I feel like Frank Clark, even though the, the sack numbers haven't been there, like they were in Seattle, I don't think he's at a double digit one since he was in Seattle. You're just seeing the big game ability that he's brought. And I've seen it just in the three or the two games against the bills over the years. So yeah, Frank Clark, if you can get him at a value, uh, I like it. Beep, 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 beep breaking news. We got to come in with a little news break. Break. Why don't you read this off here, Ryan? 
Yeah, what I sent you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I saw it in the comments. So uh, while while Matt was talking during a point, I went on Instagram and I looked at DeAndre Hopkins' story and they're just lyrics, Bill's Mafia. They're just lyrics. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. That's, you know, I don't want to get you too hyped up. But DeAndre Hopkins does have a story where uh, he's using the lyrics from Bob Marley and the Whalers, Buffalo Soldier. He said he was a Buffalo Soldier. He's sitting in a red car. You know, that's one of the Bills colors. If you really want to go really flimsy on the talking points, but it's interesting. It's Instagram. It it goes to Ed Oliver and his story today. It goes to how cryptic a lot of these players are. So, yes, they're just lyrics. But, Matt, boy, does that, you know, give you some juice here on, on a Wednesday evening. What do you think? Yeah, this would be quite the situation and just from the way that the bills have approached things i guess you can almost look at it like maybe brandon bean has been so fiscally responsible to keep the door open for something like this right like to okay we're not going to take a big swing we're not going to take a big swing but if we're going to take a big swing i want to be able to make a big swing you know what i'm saying and he's been really really good i mean the deals that the guaranteed money it's peanuts throughout the start of free agency here, the way that they move things around, the the players that they've signed back, the contract that they gave Jordan Poyer. I mean, can you just talk about it's less than than guys that, you know, half of his accomplishments in this league are getting. Um, so I think the Hopkins thing, if it makes the right sense, and if this is DeAndre Hopkins coming out and saying he wants to be in Buffalo, listen, these guys are super tight. They have each other's numbers. They see each other at the all-star games. My point on Stefan Diggs, you know, maybe not wanting another alpha in the offensive room, you know, it's a point. But if DeAndre Hopkins is coming out and saying he wants to be in Buffalo and you're Stefan Diggs wanting maybe, you know, more answers for the offense, I don't know. Maybe you just come together and say, this is a shot that we could take. And it's a two year commitment. You know, he's at the end of his prime. I'm in kind of like the, I think he's just entering the back part of his prime, Stefan Diggs, but I still think he's in the middle of it, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, whew, man, light up the hype train because this thing is going to go <laughs> off the rails here if something like this happens. Yeah, and again, it comes down to do they have a personal relationship, that being Diggs and Hopkins. I'm, I'm sure I, – I feel like when you're an elite player in this league, uh, you have some kind of relationship with one another, whether it's just trainings, things like that. I think actually – uh, was Hopkins another player that was working out with Von Miller this offseason? I feel like at one point he was. So I'm sure, you know, he's mentioned some some interest here and there and in terms of, hey, Von doing some recruiting as a future GM, if that's the case. Um, but Hopkins, if I'm him, I, I want out of Arizona. They're not a legitimate Super Bowl contender right now, and I'm getting older. If the Bills are showing interest, and I'm sure his agent's telling him, here are the teams that have shown some interest with the uh, the Cardinals, because it, you would think the Cardinals would keep them in the loop too. Buffalo would be toward the top of my list. It's an elite quarterback in Josh Allen. It's a already number one wide receiver there in Stephon Diggs. You don't have to come in and play superhero. You don't have to worry about uh, having to carry the load for this offense. You already have a legitimate player opposite you that can do that. You have, oh, by the way, you have Gabe Davis. Uh, you have some solid depth. You have Dawson Knox. They've invested in the running game, they then the Bills can really focus too on in this draft, bolstering that offensive line in any ways that they can early on, uh, with you know a first round pick, second round pick, whatever the case may be. And, and then you're really set on offense. You already mentioned most of this defense is coming back 10 out of 11 of the starters. 
you're looking pretty good and feeling pretty good if you're Buffalo, if this is something that maybe uh, ends up panning out. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the uh, next-gen stats uh, on DeAndre Hopkins, and you look at his last season tied with Stephon Diggs. You know, as a a number one target for defenses, he's still getting uh, 2.8 yards of separation uh, per route run, which is incredible. I mean, for these guys, for the attention that guys like Hopkins and Diggs get to be still in that upper echelon at that number, you know, just kind of goes to show that there's still a lot left in the tank. And honestly, for his body type, Hopkins, like who's a bigger guy, but he's a little bit like, like slimmer. Like, I think maybe the time away and not taking those hits might have given him a little bit of extra juice here on the back end. Uh, And so the more and more you think about the possibilities of it, the more and more you think, I think it would also mean a lot in the room beyond digs, but to Josh Allen to say, listen, we're going out of our way. If you go out and get Hopkins and you don't have to give up a day one or day two pick in this draft, and then you also prioritize the offensive line. We were talking about Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. You know, Osiris Torrance is a guy that's been named quite a bit. If you go out there and then you go and double down after, you know, picking up maybe a couple guys in free agency, uh, I'm talking about maybe a potential Reisner run or an Edwards run that we talked about earlier in the show. And then you come back and you draft an offensive lineman. It feels like you're fully invested. You're fully on board. 2023, go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm with that. And, you know, I saw a comment in here, Mr. Free and Clear, D-Hop would be overkill. I respectfully disagree. I, I know that the the Chiefs uh, just won a Super Ryan, Bowl. Ryan, don't be it. respectful about it. You <laughs> just say you're wrong, Mr. Free uh, and Clear. I, I think he is. I know the Chiefs won a Super Bowl without any premier number one type of wide receivers, but I look at the Bengals and I look at a team that's legitimately in Buffalo's path to getting to the Super Bowl in the AFC. They have two number one wide receivers on that roster, in my opinion. And they, then they have a Tyler Boyd, who, by the way, really solid, you know, number two, number three type of receiver in terms of his skill set, number three on that team, clearly. It doesn't hurt. It obviously helps Joe Burrow. It helps that Bengals offense. Uh, it would help the Bills. I, I know that we're talking older receivers with Hopkins and Diggs versus what the Bengals were able to get via the draft. But I really think that this would be a legitimate nightmare for these AFC East teams. The Bills have a really tough schedule this year on paper. You want to load up with as many weapons as you can. And again, it goes back to, I, I mentioned it earlier in the show, Matt, the Rams model. The Rams loaded up to try to win a Super Bowl, and they were successful. That's all that the Bills want to do. I, I Long term, they want to win a lot of Super Bowls. But man, can you imagine just getting one Super Bowl? You would be heroes for life for your Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, any player on this team. You're not buying wings or beer anytime in your lifetime in Western New York, uh, no matter what happens in 2024, 2025, and beyond. That's what you're in this for, is to win Super Bowls. And if you can get one, that's one heck of a start. And Hopkins, I think, could really help close that gap. Definitely would up the pressure, too, at the same time, I think, on Allen. Like, managing this offense just becomes a completely different beast. Making sure to be able to spread the ball around. Now you'll have so many options at your disposal that it's hard to go wrong. Like I feel like if you add Hopkins to the offense, there's no more like I was open. You got to throw it to me. Well, I threw it to Deandre Hopkins. So is that okay? And I'm not just coming at (laughs) Stefan Diggs there, obviously, but any, anybody like that has some, you know, uneasiness about how the offense is going along. You're going to have so the talent level at the skill position is going to be so off the charts that I just think that it's, it's a fun one. To think about. Final thought before we get out of here, Ryan. 
Yeah, final thought, Bills Mafia. You know, keep an eye on this second wave of free agents. If you want to look for some names of potential targets for the Bills, go check out Matt's article on nwap.com and syracuse.com. There's still a lot of talent out there, but, you know, there's also some really talented players on the trade market. For Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. Smash that like button. Subscribe before you go. We're almost to 8K. Let's get over the hump here. April 15th, put it in your calendar. We're out at Wingnuts. I want to see everybody out there. And that's it. Final thought. Matt is mercurial. Anderson says, you know, if the shoe fits, wear it. Take care, everybody. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.